This is Wahid Jensen, and you are listening to Away Beyond the Rainbow. and welcome to a brand new episode of Away Beyond the Rainbow, this podcast series dedicated to Muslims experiencing same-sex attractions who want to live a life true to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and Islam. I'm your host, Wahid Jensen. Thank you so much for joining me on a new episode. And joining me today as a co-host is my dear friend, Hashim. Assalamu alaikum, Hashim. Alaikum salam, brother Wahid. How are you doing? I'm good, alhamdulillah. How are you? I'm great, alhamdulillah. I'm glad to see you again. Missed you. <laughs> I missed you too. Glad to have. Miss talking to you. Last yeah, I'm glad to have you on board. Um, it's really a pleasure to have you. Last week we talked about the story of Adam and Eve, peace be upon them, and um, you know the story of temptation and um, you know that the what happened to them in terms of being lured and tempted by Satan and the consequences, as well as repentance and going back to Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. And we reflected on the many themes that were included in that story and how they apply to us in general uh, to humanity, as well as to individuals who experience SSA like ourselves. Um, today we will be going back to history as well, and we will be talking about the story of the people of uh, Lut, peace be upon him. Now, what I would like to say at the beginning of this episode is that the purpose of this episode is not to talk about the fiqh behind, um, you know, um, what's halal and what's haram per se. Um, you know, we we know already that the story of the people of Lut, السلام, among numerous other pieces of evidence, clearly establishes the prohibition of same-sex behaviors, right? Um, we know this, and we will, inshallah, deconstruct this further in later seasons with Brother Mubin Vaid, who has written extensively on this matter in particular. But what Hashem and I today are going to do, inshallah, in this episode is to recite the story, go through it, and to reflect upon many of the moral lessons that we can derive from the story along the way, particularly when it comes to the states of the heart and the repercussions of the quote-unquote gay lifestyle. Um, Allah is warning us against following in the footsteps of the people of Lut Why is he warning us? So let us examine this together, inshallah. So uh, our tradition kind of gives us a bit of a background as to what was happening in the area and, and what kind of led up to to this encounter between uh, Nabi Lut and, and his people. So uh, you know, Nabi Lut was born and raised by his uncle and his uncle was Prophet Ibrahim and um, Lut believed obviously in Ibrahim's message of Tawhid and monotheism, even when everyone around Ibrahim was ridiculing him. And we know kind of, of all the trials and the challenges that Ibrahim went through. Um, so together they both kind of traveled uh, across land. They were inviting people to God's word. 
And during uh, Ibrahim Anut al-Islam's uh, migration to, to Palestine, they received a decri- divine decree of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that Lut had then sort of been chosen as a prophet and messenger for specifically for the people of Sodom. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala instructed Lut al-Islam to travel to that city and um, I used to actually think that it was only that city of Sodom, but then a friend showed me sources that they were more than one city. And historically, they're known as the Canaanite cities, and they were five, according to lots of narrations. Uh, they were referred to as the Pentopolis, and the largest city of those was Sodom, but they also included Gomorrah, among others. Um, and they're located at and around the border between Jordan and Palestine in what we now refer to as the region of the Dead Sea. But yeah, I mean, Sodom was where Prophet Lut lived, and it's the setting of the story. Right. And, and his aim was obviously then to call the people of that city back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So another extension of Allah's mercy that, you know, when people are going astray, he's, he's sending messengers to call them back to him and to call them back to this divine love, this peace, this straight path to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So, so Sodom was a, a thriving city and, uh, you know, it, 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 um, it was visited by many travelers, merchants and business and trade from, from the surrounding areas. Um, however, at the same time, even though it was thriving, it was also a very corrupt city. You know, there's a lot of criminal activity going on there at the time. So, so we learned that you know, travelers passing by, they were often ambushed, they were they were robbed of their belongings, um, and sometimes they were, you know, they were mercilessly murdered. And the most sort of notorious act of evil that, that we know of that was committed by by um, by the people or by the nation of, of Sodom, and as mentioned in the Holy Quran, is, is the fact that they engaged in homosexual acts, and specifically men engaging in sexual relations with, with men. So, so this is kind of the situation that Prophet Luke was, was coming towards, right? So Prophet Luke Islam, he, he settled in the city of Sodom and he began, you know, to, to come up and devise ways to bring his people back into the fold of Islam. You know, and Islam as in the submission of our, us on, you know, to, to God, right? Um, and you know, he, he was well aware that his nation was the most corrupt nation of the time. Um, but you know, we learn from his life that he held firm in his faith and, and he was constantly hoping and praying that his people would soon see the error of their ways and, and come to the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So, you know, when, when he talks to his people, he says, my people, as in he has this deep concern and this deep love and this deep kind of willingness to try and bring them back to kind of for their own potential, for their own betterment. Right. Exactly. And so um, Allah mentions in two verses in Surah Al-Ankabut, he says, and mentioned Lut when he said to his people, indeed, you commit such immorality as none in the worlds committed before you. What do you come unto men and cut off the way and commit in your gatherings reprehensible deeds? Yet the answer of his people was but to say, bring us the punishment of Allah if you are among the truthful. From this description, the, the practice of sodomy, and again, the term sodomy refers to their the name of their city, Sodom, and it was the norm amongst this nation. A large part of the population engaged in this act. And not only that, they were also immensely proud of their own conduct. They spoke openly about it, and in, they engaged in these behaviors out in the open. 
And in the verse, um, in, you know, in, in the verse in Surat Lankabut, the term fahisha or immorality or indecency, in, in this particular context, it is understood as a specific reference to sexual relations between men. And this is a transgression that is based upon this verse. Um, you know, commentators usually would say that no people had committed on such a wide scale before Lut's people, as, for example, cited in Ibn Kathir. Um, so taking that into account, um, you know, let's have one of the reflections that come to mind at this point, particularly when we read those verses, is that notice, you know, it's one thing to kind of be afflicted with a particular trial and to kind of be secretive about that and to turn back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in repentance, even if you keep on falling. Like we said in last in the last episode, we fall, but we get back up, we return to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. No matter how many times we keep on falling, the most important thing is to get back up, make repentance and make amends and go back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and keep on trying. So it's one thing to actually be afflicted with a certain trial and keep on failing, but then getting back up and making tawbah and going back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And you know, Muslims like us in particular, we fall into sin, but we jump right back up, we go back, we make amends, we make tawbah and we move on with our lives. Um, but we also keep this a secret. With so that kind of deep realization that, that it's wrong at the end of the day exactly um and, and that we could do better and we want to do better 100 percent, right? and and we also keep that a secret we don't boast about it we don't join rallies and we work on ourselves we try and purify ourselves we try to heal ourselves so that's one part but it's a completely you know an, a, another thing completely to, to be so sunken in immorality to the point of boasting about it being proud of your conduct and quote-unquote who you are right and does this ring any bells for sure you know some we see a lot of this in a lot of gay communities around the world and the gay movement it's about proudly proclaiming the fact that they engage in this behavior a lot of them do that they do it so proudly and and even they proclaim that if you don't celebrate this fact then you are actually a bigot or a homophobe or whatever else they might call you Actually, you and I, Hashem, we were talking about this earlier, the fact that, um, you know, a lot of those parades are called pride parades. Um, you know, we, we can understand that, you know, a lot of us and a lot of the listeners who themselves experience uh, same-sex attractions and have been through so much in their lives, um, you know, our stories are different, but we can all, you know, understand um you know, pain and trauma and being uh, marginalized and being misunderstood and feeling constant shame and uh, maybe being bullied, being abused, going through lots of traumas in our lives. And on top of that, being ousted by our own communities, misunderstood, shamed and sent to hell and, and all sorts of things. So when you find your own community and you finally feel that you are understood, then you want to actually feel that you belong and then you want to tell people that you finally found your own place and after being being after you know being hid in the closet quote unquote for a very long time you want to finally break those doors open and claim your own space and so part of us you know understands why this is happening but at the end of the day you know another part of us also realizes that that is not the right way to go because again a lot of what's happening has become boasting about something that is a major sin and and an entire lifestyle that that crosses red lines and that goes against what Allah wants from us um and again the idea of pride 
You know, we understand that you want to find your own niche and to be happy with who you are. But then again, you know, we recall also uh, the story of Satan, how arrogance and pride were, you know, two of his overwhelming qualities that led him to refuse to bow down to to Adam and to refuse uh, God's orders. Um, so it's not a coincidence that these parades are called pride parades. And if we look at pride in the Quran, it's always negatively portrayed in the Quran, specifically, again, going back to Satan's story, for example. Um, and, and nowadays we see that those pride parades are about people boasting and, and, um, being proud of them engaging in this lifestyle and not seeing it as something to be ashamed of or something to be embarrassed about. Um, and, and if you are embarrassed about this, or if you don't agree with us, then you are an internalized homophobe or you're a bigot or you're a transphobe or whatever else. I mean, you're, you're right, isn't it? There is that element of, of it being about proudly engaging in the lifestyle. I mean, I mean, you wouldn't have someone at a parade saying, yes, I have these attractions, but I don't act on them because, you know, they would, they would be seen as, you know, having internalized homophobia. They'll be told, no, you shouldn't walk in this parade if that's the, if that's the, the, the attitude that you take towards it. Right. So, so they, in a way, exactly. they, they want people to be there, not only to say, these are the feelings that I have, but I'm okay with acting on them and everyone else should be okay mm-hmm. with it as well. Absolutely. And this reminds us of a verse in Surah Al-Baqarah. Um, and when it is said to him, fear Allah, pride in the sin takes hold of him. Right. So uh, in this particular context, Prophet Lut was asking his people to fear Allah. And the response was basically pride, pride that they are living in a particular way. They have their own lifestyle and they're doing things that Allah told them not to do. And the response was we don't care. Bring us the punishment of Allah if you should be truthful, right? Um, so they, def- there is a defiance. There is a level of devi- defiance that these actions are not immoral, right? We make our own rules. If you don't like it, then that's your problem, not ours, right? In in our deen, the concept of al-mujahara bil-ma'asi, which means being public about one's own sins, is in fact in and of itself a major sin. So, um, you know, when one commits a sin on its own, a particular sin, that is something. But then being open about it, being public about it, what one does or what one has already done is a separate sin on top of that. And it's a serious one because it it, it normalizes something that is forbidden. It removes the sting and the stigma from it. And in doing so, it kind of indirectly and it implicitly invites others to follow suit and it eases the path for them to do so you know one of the major foundations of our religion is to preserve society to preserve families and to kind of remove any um, invitation to sin so it's not just acting upon you know for example in engaging in particular prohibited sexual acts it's also you know there is lowering the gaze avoiding being um, in a closed space with someone whom you feel attracted to for example or someone from the opposite gender or whatever you know there are laws that kind of prevent the sin from happening at its earliest stages and we know that there is a concept of prevention being uh, much better than the cure right because we're not just concerned with you know particular acts we're also concerned about preventing 
preventing those particular contexts from emerging. And so if you have people boasting about sin, then what's going to indirectly happen is that they will entice other people who might be vulnerable to follow suit. And as a result, this is going to lead to a lot of corruption in the community, which we see happening around us, unfortunately, right? So, so this actually takes personal sin to a whole new level. And another aspect is when someone tries to reason with them again, there is often ridicule um, and particularly ridicule of any divine punishment, any warnings, any advice of divine punishment is going to be ridiculed. Again, Allah says, quoting them, bring us the punishment of Allah if you should be truthful. So that's how they taunted their prophet. So this definitely rings a lot of bells, right? Um, and so, uh, in, in Surah Shara, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, the people of Lut denied the messengers when their brother Lut said to them, will you not fear Allah? Indeed, I am to you a trustworthy messenger. So fear Allah and obey me. And I do not ask you for it any reward. My reward is only from the Lord of the world. And obviously they ridiculed him and they didn't obey the messenger as we know. So this idea of asking them to become more conscious of Allah, more conscious of uh, the, the repercussions of what they're doing, you know, and this whole idea of, you know, this becoming God conscious, and understanding life, death, reason why we're here, reason why God asks us to, you know, tells us to do things or, or not do things, and you know, increasing their awareness of, of the dangers of what they're engaging in, right? Absolutely. So then, you know, looking at the, the, the story and the sort of the, the response that, that, that they were given, you know, we, um, you know, if, if we go back to what we discussed in, in the last episode and looking at the ways Satan kind of gets involved in that, right? So the way Satan causes mankind to sway away from the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, right? So, so, so just like in the initial story with Adam alayhi salam and Eve, um, you know, just like what they went through and like we said previously at the end of the previous episode us as extension being the children of adam go through that same trial with satan as well that same sort of battle with him and you know whether it's us or even in the example of the people of lutheran the people of lutheran they were also children of adam right so they also underwent the same um situation with satan where he finds a weakness within them, and find something that he can manipulate with them, and you know, uh, uses their lack of determination or their lack of their connection or remembrance of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala, and gets them to go towards that which God has told us not to go towards. Right? So it's the same, you know, it's the same sort of steps that he, he goes through, and you know, and as soon as they start going towards, you know, they, as soon as they step away from the path, as soon as they go down that dark road. Um, and, you know, it's it's a downward spiral, like we mentioned before, so it's losing you know, their mindfulness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and then beginning to drown in, in the transgression because it's, you know, it's, it's addictive and you go back to it again and again and again, right? And, you know, and, and we, I think we mentioned last time from Surah Al-Zukhruf, we kind of said that, you know, whoever turns blindly away from the remembrance of the all-merciful, so this is not being God conscious, this is the opposite of being God conscious. We assign to him a Satan who then becomes his companion, right? So this is the the just kind of response to to the person first turning away from the remembrance of Allah and then 
and then you know going down this dark road. Right? So, you know, the, the, the story of the people of Luth is is the only place in the Quran that talks about uh, same-sex relations, and um, but but the story is obviously repeated multiple times in the Quran in many surah uh, and many verses, right? So that when we read the Quran, we we are reminded of this, right? And and we're reminded of it for that same reason that we discussed last week, that these stories get us to reflect on not only the path of the purified ones, the path of, of those who are righteous and the path of those who have walked the path towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but also the path of those who have you know, gone astray or have, have gone away from the shade of mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And, you know, again, it's this whole sort of thing of, just like we discussed last week with Satan, and uh, this idea of being humble enough for us to ask ourselves, you know, how how are we like the people of, of Lut, right? And that's a hard, hard question. It's not something we want to entertain. You know, we've been, you know, for having these feelings, we've been bullied so much in life, being like, oh, you're like the people of the Lut, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And, okay, we're not, inshallah, we're not doing or, or coming towards this for the, for the reasons that, that they did, but we have to look at what, what seeds there were or what attitudes that they had that perhaps we might we might in some form also have right and and you know it's 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 not we shouldn't be afraid to do things like that right so right. you know for, for, for us you know for, for, for sorry for a lot of people uh, mm-hmm. you know a lot of people who have um, un- unconsciously developed um, same-sex attractions or, or same-sex sort of fascination or or desire to be drawn towards the same gender um you know a lot of it and we've spoken about this is a result of you know unmet needs or early childhood experiences right so situations that you know that not had a choice over or, or control over right? Um, right and we don't really see that sort of explanation given for the reason of why the people of Ruth ended up committing the acts they did right so so you know it's, it's shown to us that you know they left their women consciously to engage in these homosexual acts and they became addicted or intoxicated with, with the lifestyle right so so on an initial kind of reading of this you kind of think well, well that's not talking about me you know i, I haven't willingly left you know one thing for, for the other and then and then got addicted it, it didn't start off like that but in the sense that if we go back to talking about Satan and his kind of three-step approach of, you know, finding a weakness, tempting us to go towards something that's uh, not what Allah has, has advised or told us to do, and then us getting hooked or, or our, you know, like in the story of Adam and Islam, our clothes removed or us de- ourselves becoming debased as, as a result, right? And um, so it's the same sort of thing again, right? Satan's he has the ability to manipulate our weaknesses and use that to tempt us to venture into to the forbidden, right? And, and you know, and once we once we do that, once we taste that, it sucks us in, right? If we're not conscious, if we're not aware, mm-hmm. you know, it, it sucks us in. And perhaps, you know, maybe what started out as like a healthy need for a same gender affirmation, you know, for a son to be affirmed by his father or, or his male peers, right? Something that might have started off as a healthy thing can really quickly become sexualized and, and embedded. You know, the human body works in that sort of way, you know, dopamine, feedback, and all these sort of things, right? Um, so, I mean, I mean, that's just one explanation, but I'm sure there are, ma- there are many explanations, but, you know, Satan uses our weaknesses of needing comfort, uh, needing connection, 
whether whether you're a man or, or, or whether you're a woman, you know, and you want connection with, with your own gender, um, uh, you know, and, and SSAs or same-sex attractions kind of kind of develop then because of that, because of needing that deep emotional need being met first at, at, a, at, a, at a core level. Um, you know, it can, you know, he, he, Satan convinces us that the way to achieve these is to approach members of the same sex in a sexual fashion. Like that's his answer, right? So just like he said to Adam, you know, you know, you can become an angel, you can become immortal, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Perhaps there is a, a whispering to us to say, if you want to be close to to men, if you want that connection, if you want to be loved, if you want to be affirmed, then here is a way to do it. You know, go towards them sexually. You know, and. Um, because it's hard, like it's hard in life, you know, when when you kind of leave school or leave university to kind of meet people, you know, people have formed their cliques and their groups and they have their families and their communities and stuff. And if you're not, if you don't have that, sometimes, you know, it, it is hard to engage with other people, engage with people and, and um, this kind of approaching people in a sexual fashion is a, a quick way to achieve that connection. Right? So it's a, it's, it's it's very tempting and it's very kind of from the outside it looks like exactly what what you want, exactly what you need, right? And, and Satan has a way to to paint it like that. So so you know and so we approach and this happens and then you know we approach it in one way or another, whether it's you know. Uh, whether we're doing it in private in our fantasies, whether we're using pornography, whether we're actually interacting with another person, you know, either online or, or physically in person, you know, and it 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 quickly develops into something that we keep returning to, um, because it in in some futile way it's it's kind of meeting that deep or well, not meeting, but it's we think it's addressing that deep need that we had, that deep emotional disconnect, right? So, so I think what I'm trying to say is it's no different from from Adam's story and that Satan, from, from the Satan's point of view, and that he's targeting, you know, his uh, Adam's forgetfulness or lack of determination. He's tempting him with what appears good and desirable to him, and then he gets him to approach what is forbidden. So, in that sense, that's the kind of common uh, aspect of what where we can say, well, okay, how how have we got into this, or or what's happened to us? How are we similar to the people of Lud in the sense that they went through the same things mm-hmm. with Satan, that same journey, weakness, temptation, and falling into, into sin. So, 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 so Lud salam, when he addresses his people and he tries to basically get them to wake up and tries to kind of give them a solution for for what is this? You know, he's, you know, he's telling them. He says, you know, will you not fear Allah? Will you not be mindful of Allah? Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just like we said with, with Adam's story, about forgetfulness and lack of determination, but the, the answer to that was remembrance and having determination. So, again, Luke is saying that, you know, to, 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 to reverse the situation of uh, that verse that we mentioned in Surah Zuhruf about, you know, those who turn blindly away from the remembrance of the all-merciful, we are signed from the Satan. But to reverse that, you look at the root cause, which is turning away from the remembrance of, of the all-merciful and to reverse that, we have to develop taqwa, develop this this kind of awareness or mindfulness, or you know, of fear of of you know what will happen if we go towards the forbidden. Mm-hmm. You know, so, so that's kind of it's the same. It's just like the story we're saying is that 
children of Adam, it's the same story over and over again, and the solution is the same solution over and over again, you know, mindfulness of Allah, you know, awareness of Allah. So, so I mean, I mean, having said that, it's, you know, it's clear that those people who engage in same-sex encounters, you know, they have a whole range of background stories, right? Mm-hmm. You know, for, you know, it, it could be, uh, you know, that SSA might have been there with us for as long as we could remember due to unmet needs, and, and then they become sexualized. Um, and then the person then willingly chooses to engage in, in the same-sex experience. Um, but it, you know, it also at the same time, it could be through people who are, you know, questioning, who they're kind of, they're trying to experiment with their sexuality. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be because someone is, uh, you know, quote-unquote bisexual and wants to engage sexually with both sexes. It could be, again, quote-unquote, you know, someone who is straight or heterosexual, um, you know, a man or a woman with particular fantasies or inclination or desires to be with another member of the same gender, um, but, you know, they, they don't identify with, you know, the, the gay label. Um, you know, or it could be, as you know, a result of societies nowadays becoming more open, uh, you know, and adopting new labels um, because it's seen as, you know, being hip or, or in or, you know, even nowadays people are abandoning the idea of labels and just saying, okay, look, we're sexually fluid and what's wrong, what's wrong with, you know, two men getting together, two women getting together, you know, they kind of see these ideas of, you know, that, that religions put, you know, put forward of, you know, sexual intimacy only being, you know, between a man and a woman in marriage, they kind of see that as, you know, very old-fashioned and, and antiquated and, mm-hmm. and how it's it's kind of liberal and progressive to, to move beyond that. So, but... For us as Muslims, for us, you know, when, when I say Muslim, I mean those who want to not only just believe in Allah, but want to submit their life to Allah, that then means we have to be aware of Allah's laws, right? And and there are red lines, right, that we don't cross, right? If we want to, if we want to call ourselves submitters or Muslims or whatever. So, um, so I think what I'm trying to say is regardless of the various you know, origins or genesis of these desires, you know, that, that red line is still there. It doesn't matter what's brought us to it. We can't cross this this thing, right? Mm-hmm. And and you know, it's, it's Satan's plan to to tempt us to to use our individual kind of context, our individual situations, and suggest and do whatever he can to to get us to cross over, right? Exactly. And yeah. I mean, everyone's different, right? Everyone is different. Everyone's journey is different. This is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the master of the day of judgment, not us. He knows why someone has approached this and why someone has got into this situation, right? Someone who's been sexually abused as a child, right, and, and, and ends up in this situation is, in you know, is different from someone who's just kind of, you know, wanting to be a bit naughty or, want, you know, wanting just to, you know, get their kicks or thrills, but who doesn't necessarily have uh, any attraction to the same gender, you know, um, in, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best, right? And you know, he, he knows our individual situations, he knows what, what what's going on with us. But the answer is the same, that we need to turn back to him and, and not to this thing, to, you know, to, to get these needs met. So because everyone's different, you know, as we discussed in previous episodes, everyone is rewarded according to the degree of the test that he or she is assigned and degree of patience and steadfastness and so on. So, you know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. He knows what's in your heart. He knows what you've been through. He knows how hard you've tried. Some people it might be easy, for other people it might be 
you know, completely, the situation might be completely devastating. You know, you, like I said last week, you, you know, you, you heard from Brother Sinan's story about how he was just felt completely empty, right? Mm-hmm. Right, right. That's, you know, and, and when you're at that stage, when you're at that stage and you don't have Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you will reach out for anything in any form to get that need met. You know, I'm, I'm not excusing the, the sin, but I'm saying that everyone's situation is different. And actually, um, you know, there's we know there's a famous uh, hadith sahih by the Prophet Sallallahu about, you know, the seven types of people who will be granted the shade of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on the day of judgment, you know, on the day on which there is no shade but his shade, subhanahu wa ta'ala. And one of those categories of people is the, you know, a man who is tempted by a woman of high status and beauty. And he says, I fear Allah, and he refuses to commit the sin because he has a fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And as we know, the very famous story uh, of Prophet Yusuf alayhi salam, uh, a living example of that person who was tempted by someone, by a woman who had high status and beauty, and he could have easily slipped, but he refused because he feared Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we touched upon his story in episode 17. Um, so again, this refers to any human being who is tempted to commit any indecent sexual act when there is a huge push to go down that road, but that person refuses for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, right? Be it a man or a woman. Um, and we all know that this is a very, very hard thing to do. And if we take it to, you know, if, if we're going to kind of extrapolate that, we can easily apply it to men and women who experience same-sex attractions. I mean, you can easily put some a man who experiences SSA, um, who has zero interest in women, and a woman is trying to seduce him, and he's like, I don't even care. <laughs> I mean, that's very easy, but if it were... It's like, that's um, not a trial thing. Exactly, right? that's like, whatever, a daily thing. <laughs> but like, if it were a man, then that would be a different situation, right? So it can be taken right. to mean, um, you know, if, if a man is called to sin by another man, or a woman is called to sin by another woman, and we're talking about individuals who experience same-sex attractions and who are put in that temp- tempting situation, and they say, I refuse because I fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, right? Um, I mean, we, we can also argue that just like a heterosexual quote-unquote man wouldn't normally have desires for the same sex, hmm. and a homosexual quote-unquote man wouldn't entertain the idea of having sex with a woman normally, even if they're called to it by a woman of high status and beauty. And the same applies also to a quote-unquote homosexual woman who is tempted by a man and so on and so forth. So the idea in general, we can just understand this portion of the hadith to mean that any person who is tempted by someone to whom that person feels attracted and feels desires, and there is a potential for something to happen. Um, so this perfectly applies to us, men and women experiencing SSA. Um, we are tempted to act out by our own same-sex desires, but we refrain from doing that for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Um, so I just wanted to put this out there like as a side note, and um, yeah, may Allah shade us under his shade on the day on which there is no shade but his shade, inshallah. And, I mean, you're right, as in the story of, of Yusuf alayhi salam, as in, uh, that, that kind of idea that he would have desired her, unless, but he didn't because he had this awareness of, of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And it's this kind of theme going through the Quran that this wake up and have awareness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to kind of protect us 
And it doesn't mean that we won't be tried and we won't feel desires and all these sort of things. But what protects us and what keeps us on our goal or keeps us on, on our path, which is what we're here for, to you know, get this idea of getting closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is first, you know, being aware of him and being conscious of him all, all the time. Exactly. So, exactly. I, I think I think what you've kind of mentioned, this idea of it's not specifically about a situation, right? So we, we take the idea of Yusuf alayhi salam and we talk about chastity, mm-hmm. right? And in that situation, it's not specifically for someone living, you know, with his master's wife, for example. It's it's a general idea of chastity of being tempted, mm-hmm. right? So 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 why not then extend that further, not just for opposite sex attractions and situations, but if if this is our particular nature or of our particular desires, then it would also then apply to, to same-sex as well in both situations. Absolutely. And so um, going back to the story of Lut salam, so as we know, he broached the matter of same-sex relations with his people and informed them that it was indeed an immoral practice. And what we are focusing here on is the practice itself, the act. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Al-Shu'ara, um, you know, quoting uh, Prophet Luz do you approach males among the worlds and leave what your Lord has created for you as mates, but you are a people transgressing? They said, if you do not desist, O Lut, you will surely be of those evicted. And then he said, indeed, I am, tho- I am of those who detest what you do. And again, underline what you do, not what you feel. Right. So I think, I think that's a really important thing to, to look at because the words in the Quran are, are really important. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala puts them there because every single word there for a reason, right? So, so Lut is saying, indeed, I am of those who detest what you do. So just like you said, he's talking about, he's talking about the deed, right? So many times we hear, you know, homosexuality is a sin or Islam hates homosexuals, etc., etc. We're not being, if we adopt that kind of narrative or if we say those words, we're not really being true to what the Quran says and what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, how he terms things, right? He doesn't term things in, you know, in, he doesn't say things in terms of people's core or their desires, right? Luther alayhi salam is not saying, I, I, you know, I detest you, because remember, he, he cared for his people. You know, he's not saying, I, I detest what you're feeling inside you, mm-hmm. or your desires, to the extent that it's you know, involuntary. He's saying, I detest your, your act or this approach that you're doing, um, you know this this uh these, these steps that you're going through to approach people of the same gender right so um so again it's, it's focusing on, on the action and i think we need to perhaps learn from that as communities you know when, when we're having these discussions as well that we focus on discussing acts and not discussing or kind of putting halal haram on these sort of constructed ideas of identity and things like that because Let's remain true to the way Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has put it, right? Mm-hmm. Islam has sort of social teachings and laws about how society should be conducted. And and, and there are laws against public acts of decency and, and, and also promotion or encouragement of, of zina, like we mentioned before, for the reasons that we mentioned before. Um, and notice how... Uh, the people of Luke say to him, if you do not desist, O Lot, you will surely be of those evicted. So they say, look, stop telling us this, otherwise we're going to kick you out. 
And what is his answer? His answer is he says it again. He says, "But I hate you know I detest what you do." Mm-hmm. Right? He's he's not he doesn't back down. He goes, "No, I'm going to stand by my guns, and I'm going to I'm going to stand and be true to 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 my 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 mission and my and my faith in God to say that uh, you know I, I detest this act that you're doing." So you know we you know we live in a time where people are so afraid to talk about this topic right like in my mosque like if they do a topic on homosexuality they're like i'm sorry we're not going to record it we're not going to put it out on public platform because you know we're afraid of being accused of being discriminatory afraid of being accused of being homophobic or or, or these sort of things but if we remain true to the elements of our religion we shouldn't be embarrassed about it we shouldn't be embarrassed to say you know uh, islam does not allow these acts right mm-hmm. You know, and if we stop saying these things, like you know, you know, we're we're told that we need to enjoin the good and to forbid the evil, right? And we can't stop doing these things um, because we just then dilute the religion down to, you know, you know, hi Rahid, you know, I, my name is Hashim, I have an Arabic name, I'm brown, I say Salam alaikum, I say Eid Mubarak, you know, I wear the stasha sometimes. But Islam is more than that, right? It's it's, it's about, you know, it's a whole way of life and if, if we stop talking about these things and abandon these things what's going to happen right exactly. we're just going to be culturally muslims rather than submitting muslims right? mm-hmm. so this idea of uh, our religion you know our um, social teachings in islam kind of saying you know um don't promote or encourage zina don't uh, allow public acts of indecency right there they're there for our safety, for our success, right? Imagine how different, imagine how different our lives would be, you know, regardless of whether you have SSA or not. Imagine how different our lives in society would be if the people had never come across pornography, right? You know, Islam talks about, you know, um, sexual intimacy should only between, be between a husband and a wife, right? Mm-hmm. Therefore, pornography you know, would never exist. No one have taken a photo of anyone doing anything or a video of anyone doing anything. No one would have seen that image or entertain that idea right mm-hmm. um you know and in fact you know pornography itself you know it was illegal all over the world including the west right until you know sort of the the late 60s when you know when they had the advent of the, the sexual revolution mm-hmm. so imagine if no one had ever talked about these things of two people um being intimate together right would would, would many people have then necessarily ended up where they are now Right. If they hadn't entertained the concept or been introduced to the ideas, yes, you're right that they may have had a fascination or a draw towards the same gender. I'm not saying that that wouldn't be there, but this idea of then taking that forward and doing things, perhaps, wouldn't have have gone as far as it had unless that kind of idea or that normalisation of it had kind of been implanted in people's brains and in society. So, um, so you know, Islam teaches us these things to kind of keep us safe and to stop things from from getting out of hand. This whole idea of, like we said, prevention is better than cure, right? Going back to what Prophet Lord was telling his people, so he was telling him that I detest what you do, you know, he does not approve of their actions. And obviously the people of Lut became angry at him, um, at his speech and what he was telling them not to do. And so they began, they began to discuss amongst each other and they were planning to drive him away from the city. 
And Allah says in Surah Al-A'raf, Yet the response of his people was but to say, Evict them from your city. Indeed, they are men who keep themselves pure. And I want to stop at this ayah because every time I read that, it, it strikes me as something very ironic. Um, you know, the term pure, evict them from your city. Indeed, they are men who keep themselves pure. <laughs> so using the term purity in a context of ridicule is very, very ironic, right? So they, what Lut is obviously calling his people to is a path of purity and righteousness. And they use it in a form of ridicule because they know what he's calling them for. And they blatantly refuse and they continue to boast about their lifestyles. Um, and if we take that context and fast forward to this particular day and age where we live in, being pure, quote unquote, and abiding by our deen and refusing to look hip, quote unquote, or progressive or open or whatever, any other label we want to use or choosing to abide by our deen, is something that is frowned upon, it is ridiculed, and it's even labeled as quote-unquote homophobic. If we refuse to acknowledge and engage in sin and sinful lifestyles, what are we immediately labeled as? Backward, closed-minded, right? Neanderthals. <laughs> something that is worth shunning from society. Those backward Muslims, those judgmental religious people, this and this and that. Right. So I, I just wanted to put this out there for us to realize that this is something, I mean, subhanAllah, like you can really, you can really feel this because we experience this day in and day out. Right. Yeah. Yeah. This idea of if you don't agree with our values, then you shouldn't be here. Right. Yeah. So what happened to like freedom of speech and, and freedom of religion and freedom of, of having your own values? As long as you don't hurt. I mean, we're not hurting anyone. We're just saying that we abide by our deen. Um, but yeah, no, if you don't subscribe to a specific way of thinking, then you're just, that's not okay. It's either you think like us or you're just going to be ousted completely. This, um, what's it called? The culture of, ca um, what's it cancel called? culture. Yeah. Cancel <laughs> culture. There you go. Cancel culture. Yep. You're canceled. If you're not on board, you're just immediately canceled. So, yeah, but it's worrying though, because that's that kind of idea has consequences. It leads to people kind of being ostracized from society. It leads to people being kind of closed off. It leads to people being seen as the other, right? Mm -hmm. um, because they have these ideas or they have these these views. And you know, we've seen in history where that's happened and it's not had great consequences, right? So, so obviously, so, so Luther Leislam is trying over and over again, um, you know, trying to bring evidences to people, trying to wake them up, trying to bring them back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And they're obviously there, you know, asking, telling him to leave, telling him to stop saying these things, telling, you know, mocking him by, you know, telling, saying that he's, you know, he's trying to keep himself pure. And, you know, he, he naturally he becomes distressed, right? This is his mission and, and you know, it's, it's, people aren't responding. So, you know, after many years of trying to invite his people to submit to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, not one person in, in Sodom had, had entered the fold of Islam, right? So his his household, his, his household was the only uh, Muslim household in, in Sodom, right? Even within that household, not, not all of its occupants were, were Muslim, right? So, mm -hmm. you know, Luther and his daughters were, were steadfast in their religion, but, you know, we, we learn about his, his wife who continued to be 
um, you know, among the, the non-believers, right? And this is the wife of a, of a, of a prophet, right? So this is, this again, the fact that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has mentioned her is to raise our awareness of, of, of these things. And, um, you know, she, she even helped the people of the, the town behind her husband's back, right? So... And actually, it's worth mentioning at this point that some reports said that Prophet Lut spent between, you know, somewhere between 24 to 30 years among his people. Um, and the townspeople had been engaged in sodomy and all those vicious vices, you know, for the entirety of this duration. They had left intercourse with their wives, and as such, there was no reproduction among them. And whatever children there might have been had already grown up during that time and have become adults. Um, and so those towns were also becoming more and more secluded from other nations because of their bad reputation and the vices that they were known for. So anyway, whatever the exact number of years that Prophet Lut spent with those people, it just goes to show that it's a long time of him calling them to the straight path and them constantly refusing, mocking him, hurting him until they decided to oust him and his family altogether, right? It wasn't a short time. So imagine how Prophet Lut and his family felt living in that town for such a long time and struggling on a daily basis. And as you said, Hashem, even his wife was a non-believer and going against her husband's message and supporting the townspeople and all sorts of you know vices that they were engaged in, the most notorious of which is sodomy, as we mentioned, on a large scale, as is mentioned in the Quran. You can imagine, you know, so... You know, you know, at one point, Prophet Lut he's raising his hands to the heavens and he's praying to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He's saying, like in, in, in Surah Al Shura, he's saying, you know, my Lord, save me and my family from the consequences of what they do. And again, we reflect on that and we kind of say that no matter how bad things are going, always turn back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, right? And, you know, and things might not be working out the way we wanted it to work. Obviously, Luz was there because he was on a mission and he, he wanted to succeed, right? Um, and it wasn't working. But his answer to that kind of frustration, that situation is to call back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And, you know, and, you know, he tried to reason with others. And, and we can we have this as well in our lives, that we try to reason with others and people will ridicule us and hurt us and, and kick us out. But who, who do we always turn back to? We turn back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And you know, we ask him, just like Luz alayhi salam, asked him to save, save me and my family from the consequences of what they do. You know, we ask him to save us from the consequences of the injustices that, that, that people do around us, right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes we are on, on our own, sort of physically, but we're not on our own if, if we have Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with us. Remember, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is with the patient, right? And... You know, and, and if we have him, then our goal of, of you know, you know, getting closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that is what we're here for, right? This whole, we talk about the idea of the straight path, right? Where does the straight path lead? The straight path, you know, a path leads somewhere, right? What, what's the end goal? What's the end destination? The end destination is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So, so you know, you know, we can't do this alone without him. He is our goal. He is our destiny. And you know we can't keep moving forward without him because he is the direction towards which we are trying to to go, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you know we can't be protected or sheltered or purified without him. He is the root of, of everything. He is the whole point of this religion is told Eve as in making him the center 
of, of everything of our lives, right? You know, he becomes this this rock or this refuge for us. He becomes our savior and, and our protector, right? Actually, as I always reflect on the story of Lut and his people, you know, people always compare us, you know, you're like the people of Lut and look what happened to them. And I'm like, when I look at men and women who experience same-sex attractions and who are virtuous, who want to remain true to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and Islam, I refuse to actually compare us to the people of Lut. Rather than being like them, which we are accused of being, in our efforts to remain on the path of Islam, we are more like the family of Lut who were eventually saved. You know, men who kept themselves pure, again, in that ayah. That was an accusation in and of itself to the family of Lut, alayhi salam, right? So this is what I see us as. We are people, men and women, who are striving to keep ourselves pure because we love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we want him to be pleased with us. So if, if that is the accusation, then yes, let's be that. And let's own that ambition for ourselves. And w- because we are trying our best to remain pure, inshallah, and we are owning that as our identity. This identity of being men and women, as being Muslims who submit to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and as being proud of the fact that we are choosing this path towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Again, I'm not talking about the the hateful pride or the negative pride. I'm talking about something that we are grateful for in a sense that this is a a huge gift in this time and age, alhamdulillah, that we are striving for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's not easy. Of course it's not easy, but it's definitely worth it, inshallah. So um, again, we're not identifying with a particular sexual desire. We are identifying with the fact that we are men and women, we are Muslims, and we are sincerely striving to submit to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and remain pure for his sake. Um, so unlike the people of Lut who gave in to their temptations and that exploited their weaknesses, we become more like the family of Lut who were saved, who chose to stay within the safety of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So it's kind of like turning it on its head, right? So like, imagine that if we had been alive at that time, right? And we had perhaps been in the town of Sodom and perhaps, you know, we we then saw the family of Lut and then Salam and we realized that perhaps, you know, what we were engaging in was was not the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He would have taken us in, right? He would have made us part of his family. Exactly. Those people who, who, who had these desires but still said, no, we're going to be conscious of Allah, we're going to fear Allah, we're going to live in our, uh, our lives, we're going to try and be pure, then then that automatically brings those people with, with that kind of mindset into the family of Luke and away from, from the group of the people of Luke, right? 100%. And actually, as you were saying, like, imagine you were in that period and you were in, you know, in that particular city um, and imagine that you were part of his family, right? This is the way that I see us Again, um, many of our family members and people close to us would reject us. Like obviously Allah tells us of uh, Lut's wife. 
She was a non-believer. She went behind her husband's back and she helped the community do the indecent acts, right? So, so many of us, for many of us, our families reject us just because we have those attractions. We haven't even done anything or we may have done but repented, whatever the case is. Just because we have same-sex attractions, there's a lot of hot air. There's a lot of negativity and maybe some of us are bashed or kicked out of the house. So there's that aspect. Society around us nowadays in this time and age, it's kind of out to get us, right? Just like the people of Sodom themselves, they were the majority and they were out to get the family of Lut. They wanted to drive them out of, of that city. So we are ridiculed, we are laughed at, and the prevailing lifestyle of Sodom is the politically correct one of that time and unfortunately of these times that we live in, right? Um, yeah, now as well, yeah. yeah. Speaking up against that would come with a heavy price just like it did with Prophet Lut and his family. We feel like a minority. They felt like a minority. And in today's world, we are a minority even within a minority. And even Lut himself, in his own home, which was supposed to be a place of comfort and a place of rest, he did not find that. He was tormented both outside his home and inside his home. Right? His life was a continuous tribulation and he suffered greatly. But despite all of that, he remained patient and he remained steadfast with his people. And uh, again, as you recited Hashem in the, in the verse, um, he turned to his Lord and he said, my Lord, save me and my family from the consequence of what they do. So again, the invitation is for us to keep Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala front and center at all times. We are doing all of this for him ultimately. I mean, had it not been for him, none of this would ever matter, right? He is our goal, he is our destination, and he is also our means. So may Allah protect us and may Allah save us all, inshallah. Ameen. Um, beautifully said, mashallah. Yeah, so sort of going back to the kind of the story of then what, what happened, you know, we learned from the, the Holy Quran. So uh, Allah then sends three, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then sends three angels, including angel Jibra'il, uh, disguised as men to Prophet Ibrahim Ibrahim's house and they go to his house as guests. And Ibrahim Islam initially he, he didn't recognize the angels. So he he, he prepares uh, you know in, in his in his nature of being loving and hospitable to everyone, he prepares a, a grand feast for them, right? Um, but then you know his his guests they, they refuse to eat. They refuse the meals offered to them because you know angels don't eat, right? Um, and the Holy Quran says in, in Surah Hud, he says um, but when he saw their hands not reaching for it, he distrusted them and conceived a fear of them. They said, fear not, we have been sent to the people of Lut. So then in another surah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, and when our messengers came to Ibrahim with glad tidings, they said, we shall surely destroy the people of this town. Truly its people have been wrongdoers. He, referring to Ibrahim, said, surely Lut is in it. They said, we know better who is in it. Surely we shall save him and his family, except his wife. She is among those who lagged behind. And we read that in Surah Al-Ankabut. And, and then again in, in Surah Hud, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, And when the fright had left Ibrahim and the glad tidings had reached him, he pleaded with us concerning the people of Lut. Indeed, Ibrahim was clement, tender-hearted and penitent. Uh, and then the angels and say, O oh, Ibrahim, turn away from this. 
as in you know stop stop pleading pleading for them so indeed the command of your lord has come and surely there will come upon them a punishment that cannot be repelled and then uh, in surah al-hijr Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says he referring to ibrahim he said what is your errand o messengers they said we have been sent unto a guilty people except for, save for the family of lut we shall surely save them all together except for his wife we have determined that she is indeed among those who lagged behind and as you were reciting those verses notice how um you know uh, prophet lut and his daughters they kept their faith and refused to engage with the actions of those people and they didn't compromise their values and their beliefs um, and not only did they refrain from the acts themselves but they also refused to approve of or to help the people of the town in those actions and in their lifestyles. Now contrast that with Prophet Lut's wife, who did encourage and support the wrongdoings of the town's people. And thus she was included in their punishment, as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions in those verses that you recited. And reflecting upon this, this is something that is you know, it's something to take seriously. And it really gives me goosebumps because it's, I mean, it's one thing to refrain from the acts, but it's another to kind of indirectly or directly help other pe other people pursue the lifestyle or pursue those acts, which is taken seriously by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But Prophet Lut's wife did not obviously engage in those acts, but she approved of the townspeople's um, behaviors and actions and lifestyles and even supported them in that. Um, so in this particular day and age, I mean, if we reflect upon this, um, you know, again, committing the act is clearly wrong, but we also understand from this story that it would also be wrong in our context to kind of support any movements or causes that feed into the LGBT narrative. Um, and so it feels like we are put in a tight spot in this day and age. It's not an easy decision at all, but we must remain firm, inshallah, for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, like Prophet Lut and his household did back in the day. It is hard, as in it's that the whole LGBT agenda and the, and the rights that they kind of um, aim for, it's all wrapped up in a nice package of, you know, justice and anti-discrimination and, you know, helping people to be all they can be, right? And, and, and it sounds, you know, even the words they use, justice, right, as Muslims, that, 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 uh, that resonates with us because we're like, yeah, when we are a religion of justice, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is just and we are here to make sure that the world is just. So when a package kind of comes along wrapped up with that label, you know, it's so easy to go, yes, I support this. Yes, of course, I don't want you to be discriminated. Of course, I want you to be able to live safely and without harm and without being, being you know, attacked and murdered and things like that. But we have to be so careful about what is in that package that we are supporting, right? We have to be really careful to dissect things out and be really specific about what it is that we approve of. And just like Luke alayhi salam was, was quite clear about what he disapproved mm -hmm. of as well. Right? Exactly. And and one thing actually to point out at this point is that Prophet Lud didn't abuse anyone. He didn't um, call them names. He didn't engage in any act of quote-unquote discrimination or hate or whatever. All he did 
was call them to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He clearly said that he doesn't approve of the acts. He called them towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and they kept ridiculing him and abusing him. And at the end, he called out to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and made the prayer to save him and his family. I don't want people to say that, you know, we're we're actually arguing that we should avoid people completely in a sense that, oh, we should hate particular people or we should treat people differently. It's just the idea that, you know, we realize that we are Muslims and we have our own value system and we don't approve of particular acts. It doesn't mean we don't approve of people. I mean, people are people, right? We are people, they are people. But it is particular acts that we, you know, cannot approve of because we abide by our deen. And those are clear red lines that we do not cross. So this is just as an FYI. So anyway, going back to the story of, of Lut and his people, as you said, the angels proceeded towards Sodom and they were disguised as men and they were disguised as handsome young men. Um, and so at that point, one of Lut's daughters, she witnessed those men enter the city. And so she ran immediately to her father and informed him of their coming. And then Prophet Lut approached the three men and he welcomed them. But he knew too well the fate that would befall those very good-looking guests at the hand of those men of his city. And in Surah um, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, And when our messengers, meaning the angels, came to Lut, he was distressed on their account and felt himself powerless concerning them. And he said, This is a trying day. I mean, what calamity has come? Because there's going to be a huge fiasco at this point. And so he was filled with anguish. He wanted to convince his guests without offending them not to spend the night in the town. But at the same time, he wanted to extend to them the expected hospitality that is normally accorded to guests. And eventually um, he, he tried to make them understand the dilemma. And at the end, he requested that, okay, well, can you just wait until the night would fall so that no one would see you? And when it was nighttime, he escorted them to his house as guests. No one was aware of their presence. However, as soon as Lut's wife saw them, she slipped out of the house quietly so that no one would notice her. And then she ran to the people with the news of the guests. And this news spread like wildfire among the townspeople. And the men of the town came rushing towards Lut's house very excitedly. And Lut at that point was very surprised because he, you know, he was like, okay, well, I took every precaution for people not to know that they are there. So who could have informed them? And then eventually the matter became clear to him when he could not find his wife anywhere. And this kind of added more salt to the wound. It added to his grief and his sorrow. Like imagine being betrayed by your own wife, by someone that you love and you care about in your own home. I mean, that's like a, a stab in the back, a huge stab in the back. So that's not easy. And so then the, the, the Holy Quran in Surah Hud goes on to say, and his people came hastening towards him while earlier they had been committing evil deeds. He said, oh, my people, these are my daughters. They are purer for you. So fear Allah and disgrace me not with regards to my guests. Is there not among you a man of sound judgment? They said, certainly you know that we have no claim upon your daughters, and surely you know what we desire. He said, if only I had the strength to resist you, or could seek refuge in some mighty support. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Al-Hijr, uh, referring to Lut alayhi salam. So Lut said, 
Truly, these are my guests, so dishonor me not. Fear Allah and disgrace me not. They said, did we not forbid you from providing protection to the people? Lut says, these are my daughters, if you must act. By your life, referring to Muhammad, swearing by Muhammad's life, by your life, Muhammad, indeed, they wandered blindly in their drunkenness. And that's important in a way, because look, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says just right at the end, he's swearing by our holy prophet life. He's trying to make a point here. He's saying, indeed, they wander blindly in their drunkenness. He's trying to draw our attention to this idea of being intoxicated, being drunk in this sort of this sin and debauchery and this kind of uh, this pit that they had almost gotten themselves into through you know, repeatedly doing these actions. So this kind of, you know, in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's description, this sort of the state of intoxication that, that results in, in a heart being becoming completely blind, right? So they, they were so immersed in this, you know, that they couldn't even get out of this state to, to the extent that they were so obsessed with this that, you know, a holy prophet coming to them, you know, with the advice of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is trying to help them out and, and they're telling him, you know, stop, we're going to evict you, you know, stop doing this, you know, and then mocking him for his kind of trying to be pure, right? That That's how deep that this kind of sin had, had, had gotten them. This is very telling of the sort of the addictive, sabotaging and dark aspects of this particular lifestyle, how it kind of overtakes you. You know, it's it's it's, it's something that hardens the heart uh, and it creates heedlessness uh, and loss, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's like almost like a state of chasing mirages and, and, and running to satisfy your urges, you know, constantly seeking, constantly seeking more and more things, you know? So many people, you know, that we know or ourselves that have, that have maybe left that lifestyle because of the spiritual, mental, emotional and physical destruction that it, that it brings, right? We hear this from, from so many brothers and sisters, you know, you say, you know, I know what it's like on the other side. It's ugly, right? Mm-hmm. You know, just think of think of pornography, for example, you know, people start off, you know, with pornography that, you know, they're looking at images of, of men perhaps looking at images of other men shirtless and then it progresses it progresses further and further and further and it gets deeper and deeper and deeper and then you know there's this idea that with the pornography that the same image after a while doesn't satisfy anymore and you have to go deeper and you have to go more explicit and you have to it has to become more real and more lifelike you know some people they start off with with erotic art and then it goes more and more towards you know they want to see you know, videos and et cetera, et cetera. And then it kind of goes towards trying it physically. It's, it's, it's a, it's a downward spiral. It's, it's kind of, it sucks people in. Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, that, you know, the idea that the media shows the lifestyle, the gay lifestyle as being sort of beautiful and shiny. And, you know, you see programs like, you, know, you see programs about the gay lifestyle or, you know, for example, you, know, you see programs like RuPaul's Drag Race, for example, it's colourful, it's exciting, everyone's laughing, you know, it's, it's, it's happy, you know, it's, it, it's, it's everything but that, you know, if anyone, please don't watch that program, but if, if, everyone, if anyone has watched that program, you know that there's a whole episode in there where people talk about their, they call it her story, right? Their, their history, right? It's her story. You know, they, they talk about the, the pain and the abandonment and the abuse that they've been through, right? And they, they break down in tears. And, you know, the, you know RuPaul's obviously using this as, as, a, as a kind of a way to gain, gain audience and, and gain, um, you know, gain viewers. But 
everybody there has a story and it's it's really sad that we don't notice that 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 kind of common theme running through it but mm-hmm. so you know it, it's, it's it's the opposite of what what the media portrays it to be right so you know when we talk about this we're not talking about you know people who are just experiencing the attractions per se but rather than those who go forward and then, and then engage in the actions and the whole lifestyle that that surrounds that right so, so having you know same-sex attractions means that that Shaitan and, and his forces, and and when I say his forces, you know, at the, you know today it includes his forces are media outlets and, and things like that, and, um, as well as our own nafs, you know, that they're all after us and they all want to pull us in that direction, you know, dragging us into a lifestyle um, that shares so many characteristics of, of the people of Sodom, right? So many things that they were involved in, like this excess, this unbridled lust. You know, going beyond all bounds and so on. It's it's like, it's like, you know, it's like drinking salt water to to quench your thirst. It's it, it never it's never enough. You know, mm-hmm. we always want more and more and more because it's never really meeting that need underneath, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's always just it's like a futile attempt. Right? So, so we need to. You know, we need to be aware of this. We need to kind of see the gay lifestyle for what what it really is. You know, it, it's not. You know how people some say, oh, it's the spectrum, and people are at one end of the spectrum, people are at the other, or the opposite end of, of a stick, for example. It's it's a completely different spectrum. It's a completely different stick. It's it's nothing related to to the sort of uh, you know a lifestyle that the man and woman in marriage live. It's it's not. It's not just another spectrum of that. It's completely something completely different. It's rooted in something completely different, right? right. And, and and this is all part of, of Satan's plan, right? So, you know, Surah Anissa, Allah subhanahu wa says, you know, and Satan promises them nothing but delusion, right? You know, so Satan is kind of pretending that that this is just a you know a different flavor of, of, of life, and you know it's just, it's okay or whatever. It's 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 not. It's like you know, and you've spoken about this in you know in early episodes of your podcast about the, the sort of the high rates of mental health issues, addictions, abuse, you know, promiscuity, really high rates. Mm-hmm. You know, even in sort of uh, sort of same-sex marriages that are happening nowadays is this low degrees of monogamy low degrees of faithfulness you know talking about the sort of polyamorous marriages open marriages mm-hmm. you know it's, it's degrading the concept of of what marriage is right and um you know especially and, and this is more so perhaps more among, among men than, than women but this constant sort of search for you know uh, mysterious or anonymous encounters with this idea that you know when people hook up you know using the apps and things like that they they someone you know they don't even want to know the other person's name because that somehow lessens the excitement they don't want to know details about the other person you know it's there's something that should make us realize that there's something not right about that there's something wrong with that right um you know it's this persistent craving and desire for more and more explicit forms of, of sexual conduct right and you know it goes to really dark dark places right and you know it's strange that, you know, it's strange that the word gay, right, is used to describe this lifestyle. You know, a long time ago, you know, gay used to be you know, frivolous or gay used to be kind of happy and carefree, right? But the lifestyle or, or the issues behind the lifestyle that it, that word now represents is anything but happy. It's anything but kind of carefree and, and fun. It's, it's mm-hmm. full of so much you know, pain and search, constant, constant search for something. So... You know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala draws our attention to this and calls it, you know, 
this intoxication, right? So sort of Hijra, you know, wandering, blinding, and then drunkenness. He uses that term, you know, the same term that's useful when people get drunk. So there's something, there's some craving, there's something going on there that that's not it's not right, it's not normal. So may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us from, from that state. I mean, inshallah. same verse that you were reciting a few minutes ago um you know notice how the people of Lut said did we not forbid you from providing protection to the people right um so they had the upper hand and they made the rules they were in the position of power and Lut was powerless among them he pleaded with them to leave the visitors alone and to fear Allah's punishment he urged them to seek sexual fulfillment with their wives for that is what Allah had made lawful for them, but nothing worked. Um, you know, all the people did was that they were roaring with laughter. And again, as you were saying, you know, in the state of quote unquote drunkenness, they were intoxicated, blinded by their desires to the point that they broke down the house door. And, and Lut spoke the truth. He called to it, but he always, all he was met with was hurt and abuse. He stood powerless before those violent people. He was unable to prevent the abuse of his guests, but he firmly stood his ground and he continued to plead with the mob. So again, let us try to, to kind of internalize this. There's an power imbalance, right? There's one man alone versus an entire town of strong men. And those men are chasing their desires. And those men are making the rules of the city. Did he back down? He did not. He never backed down. He remained true to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his deen. They could have easily killed him. I mean, they wanted to evict him anyway. They could have easily killed him on the spot. But he never backed down, right? And and what's very important to note is that Allah's help is never far away. Allah was with Lut salam at that point. It has been said, um, according to some uh, stories and narrations at that point, that Angel Jibreel struck the men, causing them all to lose their eyesight. And so the men were shocked and enraged, and they were blind at that point, so they managed to kind of grope their ways back to their homes, and they were adamant about destroying loot the following day. So, um, and at that point, uh, the three men who were the angels visiting Lut at that point they spoke up. And um, in Surah Hud, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala narrates, the angels said, O Lut, indeed, we are messengers of your Lord. Therefore, they will never reach you. Set out with your family during a portion of the night and let not any among you look back, except your wife. Indeed, she will be struck by that which strikes them. Indeed, their appointment is for the morning. Is not the morning near? And as instructed Prophet Lut together with his daughters, they left the town of Sodom during the night. And Allah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Al-Qamar, the people of Lut denied the warning. Indeed, we sent upon them a storm of stones. Except the family of Lut, we saved them before dawn as a favor from us. Thus do we reward the one who is grateful. And he had already warned them of our assault, but they disputed the warning, and they had demanded from him his guests. But we obliterated their eyes, saying, Taste my punishment and warning. And there came upon them by morning an abiding punishment. And then as the morning dawned, 
a very loud and piercing cry broke out through the city and shook the occupants with great pain and fear. Jibril then grabbed the town from the edge of his wing, raised it up high, twisted the land, turning it upside down, and crashed it down to the ground. Allah then caused the sky to rain down stones of hard clay, each stone inscribed with the name of a transgressor for whom it was intended, ending the lives of the inhabitants of Sodom. And Allah says in Surah Hud, So when our command came, we made the highest part of the city its lowest and rained upon them stones of layered hard clay, uh, which were marked from your Lord. And Allah's punishment is not far from the wrongdoers. I mean, it just gives me goosebumps to actually cite those verses. It's it's such a, subhanAllah, I mean, such a powerful, powerful punishment. Yeah, and these, I mean, these warnings are, are, are put there to remind us of how you know, how bad things can get and how how far away we can get when we when we go down and get involved in, in dark paths, right? Mm-hmm. May Allah protect us, inshallah, from all of this. So, so then we we kind of we we learn from our traditions that Prophet Luke, after this, Prophet Luke, you know, he, he left Sodom with, with his daughters and he returned to his uncle, Prophet Ibrahim salam, and and then together both of them they continued. To obviously spread the message of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and we continue to do this uh, and to be passed on to the next life. So so and so the book was then closed on, on the people of Luke, you know, their their town and their names had been erased from the face of the earth and, and they were gone from, from memory. And and today the, the Dead Sea lies at the site of the corrupt city of Sodom and it remains as a powerful reminder of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's wrath against the people, the defiant people of Luke. Um, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says uh, in Surah Al-Hijjah, he says, Surely in this are signs for, for those who see. And surely they, referring to the cities, are right on the high road, referring to the road from Mecca to Syria, as in that's the place where the Dead Sea is now. And surely therein is a sign for the believers. So, so we need to take warnings from this, we need to realize that this is how bad things can get and, and end up. And then in Surah Al-Anbiya, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, And to Lot, we gave judgment and knowledge. And we saved him from the city that was committing wicked deeds. Indeed, they were a people of evil, defiantly disobedient. So so we have this, things, we see Lut alayhi salam kind of going to the city of Sodom, going to the people, preaching to them, trying to bring them back to the fold, and then having to leave so quickly with you know with his daughters um, because they they refused right so I wonder how he must have felt right because he must have felt like in terms of his mission like his mission was to go and to bring them back yet yet they yet they they refused right um, and on the face of it you kind of think well in terms of his mission of of, of bringing them back he didn't succeed in, in that obviously he succeeded in, in preaching the message to them. Um, but but they but they refused. But you know, even though like obviously Luke Alayhi Salam is still even despite the fact that he he wasn't able to convince them, you know, he's still honored by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and he's still righteous in heaven, right? And 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 when we think about when we think about success and, and what it means to be successful in this world, right? Um, you know, we, we think in terms of like when we pray, for example, you know, when we do the adhan and the karma, you know, we say, um, hey, ala salah, hey, ala salah, hey, ala al-falah, hey, ala al-falah, come to prayer, 
come to success or come to felicity, right? Um, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks in numerous verses in the Quran about of, of Muflihuns and the, the successful ones, right? And it's always describing them in terms of their moral and, and spiritual success, right? In this life and, and the next, right? So, and we see that at the beginning of Surah Al Mu'minun. So, we have to understand what true success is. So, so true success. Uh, and 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 our self worth as a result comes from our obedience to Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala and, and our standing with Him, right? Not necessarily from some worldly gains that we you know, we may or may not achieve in, in our efforts in, in this short short time that we're here. Um, you know, often people, you know, often you know, when people look at us, like especially people in the gay lifestyle, who then look at us or look at people who try to remain within the fold of their religion, you know, they're trying to avoid any sexual contact outside of marriage, you know, that they will kind of say, oh, you're going to live a loveless life, you're going to live a lonely life, you're going to live a pointless life, you know. And, you know, that's it's hard to hear, right? It's hard to hear someone say that because it's not easy to hear that. But, you know, you have to, and just like the answer of all the prophets was to make us more conscious of the bigger picture of things, more conscious of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when you, we can bring to mind the purpose of our souls being here for this short time and the reason for that to, you know, bring us into a relationship of submission to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, if that's the reason why we're here, then we are doing exactly what we've been put here for, right? Um, you know, and, and this idea in 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 Islam, that this world that we live on is called the dunya, right? Which is, from what I understand, is in terms of it's the lowest life, right? And you know, and when we move on from it, you know, we, you know, our, our death is a journey, and it's a continuing journey to, to to the next world in which we kind of we wake up, right? And we start to live our real lives in, in the hereafter. So, so I think when, you know when the holy prophets speak to their people and try and get them to become more aware, they, they want them to become aware of this reality of, of what we are doing here and what this world is. And um, you know, and you have to realize that you know we might we might not always achieve worldly pleasures by adopting this path to Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala, but but this you know this this idea of happily ever after might not be a, a worldly happily ever after of you know kind of being rich and beautiful, but it, this idea of achieving this inner peace and tranquility that, that we gain from, from knowingly striving and sincerely struggling on the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know, that sort of, that bliss that comes from knowing that, you know, as long as I'm doing the right thing by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, everything will be okay. And we see that in Luth salam in his, in his du'as and his, his pleading to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know from that and you know from all the prophets that they had this inner peace Right, mm-hmm. you know, you know, no matter how hard things got, they were in a peace. Right, mm-hmm. you know, you know. So just like Ibrahim was flung into this fire, fire, and he was in this garden, he was in this state of peace, no matter what was going on around him. We can, you know, with our connection with Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala, without giving our lives to Him, with allowing Him to fill our hearts, we can achieve that kind of happily ever after, or that state of bliss, state of peace, even while we're on earth, even while things around us might be, you know, people might be accusing us of things, people might might be, you know, saying, you know, you're, you're going to end up alone or all these other things. We can still have that sense of peace, despite all of that.
the last idea that we would like to uh, reflect upon in this episode is the idea that Allah's forgiveness, and we spoke about this in the previous episode, that once we repent to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and Allah forgives, inshallah, we have, you know, um, when we are sincere uh, with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He forgives, and that means a clean slate. Uh, lots of times, unfortunately, we come across some scholarly texts, and these are not fiqh texts, but rather some books of wa'adh or admonition, and they include statements, you know, very absurd statements, actually, like sodomy, which means anal intercourse between two men, it can never be forgiven, or like the repentance of a man who engages in such an act is not accepted, and his ending is never well, and he does not enter paradise. Um, and you know, other absurd statements like sodomy is greater than shirk, which means associating other deities with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, or it's something greater than kufr. Um, and you know, obviously these, these statements are exaggerations that have no basis in sound sharia principles. Um, you know, and, and they're actually absurd. And they do a grave injustice towards the mercy and the love and the caring of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, yes, sodomy as an act, again, underline act, it is prohibited in Islam, and it is considered a kabira, which is a major sin. But there is nothing in the Quran or the sunnah of the Prophet that says that one's repentance from this act cannot be accepted, or that even if one repents, his ending will not be good, or that one who has committed this act can never enter paradise, or anything like that. You know, some of these texts in particular, and again, these are texts of wa'adh or admonition, they have taken things to an extreme. Well, I mean, the intention was to kind of hinder people from falling into such sin, but then many times they backfire in, in, in so many ways for people who have committed this act. And th as a result, they have despaired of the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This idea that we we should be really careful before closing the doors of the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the repentance towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We should be careful about what that might end up doing to a person uh, and how they may then respond to that after we've said something like that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And for anyone listening, if you have come across such statements, or if you have heard them, or if you will come across them in the future, please realize and understand that those statements do not represent an accurate understanding of our faith. Right? We have touched upon the topic of repentance and the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the previous episode, and in previous other episodes. His door is always open, subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? When we have sincere intentions and we go back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He accepts our repentance and He grants us, inshallah, a clean slate. Let us never forget this. And I would like to end this episode with this verse uh, from Surah Az-Zumar. Say, O my servants who have transgressed against themselves by sinning, do not despair of the mercy of Allah. Indeed, Allah forgives all sins. Indeed, it is he who is the forgiving, the merciful.
Thank you so much for listening to our episode. Um, I hope that you guys have enjoyed it and learned from it, inshallah. Uh, Hashem and I look forward to talking to you next week. We'll be touching upon the concept of desires and shahawat and uh, spiritual reawakening and going back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we will wrap up all the topics that we have discussed that constitute the spiritual series of this podcast. As always, you can listen to us on your favorite podcast apps and on the website awaybeyondtherainbow.buzzsprout.com. Until next Friday, stay safe and healthy. And Hashem and I look forward to talking to you next week. This has been Hashem and Wahid in Away Beyond the Rainbow. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.